It's the 10-year anniversary of Felix Hernandez's perfect game. We're going to look back on the last perfect game thrown in MLB history and then talk about what the current Mariners need to do about Logan Gilbert, whose struggles continued against the Rangers on Sunday. Plus, Colby is going to give you prospects 15 through 11 in the Mariners' farm system on today's episode of Locked On Mariners. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Locked On Mariners podcast. It is Monday, August 15th, 2022. And thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms with new episodes dropping every Monday through Friday. I'm your host, Titan Gonzalez, joined as always by my co-host, Colby Patnode. We cover the Mariners over at InsideTheMariners.com for Fan Nation over on the Sports Illustrated Network. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. Follow Inside the Mariners at Inside Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, it's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z and Colby at CPAT11 at CPAT11. Be sure to also check out our Patreon over at patreon.com forward slash control the zone. We post two additional podcasts on there every single week. Again, that is patreon.com forward slash control the zone. And if this is your first time joining us here on the Lockdown Mariners podcast, welcome to the show. If you like what you hear, give us a follow or subscribe wherever you listen to this. And if you're watching us on YouTube, hit the subscribe button, turn on the notification bell and give this video a thumbs up. We greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate it. And we are working our way towards 3,000 subscribers. The last time I checked, I think we were like 24 away. So if you are an individual that has not currently subscribed to the Lockdown Mariners YouTube page, go on and uh, do it. And if you're uh, one of the 24 people that helps us get to 3,000, I will give you a virtual high five. And you know what? I'll make good on that right here. Put it right there, bud. Thanks. So let's talk about Felix Hernandez. Well, actually, we we just watched a, a pretty rough series for the Mariners in Texas against the Rangers. We're going to be talking about that later, uh, particularly about Logan Gilbert, who struggled again yesterday and uh, yesterday's loss. And what do the Mariners do with them? Uh, we're also going to tell you about prospects 15 through 11 in the Mariners farm system as ranked by Colby Patnode. But again, first, we're talking about Felix Hernandez, who today his perfect game thrown against the Tampa Bay Rays on August 15th, 2012, has become 10 years old. It's insane. It's been that long. Crazy. Uh, This game was a, I mean, this was one of the best pitching performances ever, obviously. Perfect games still are incredibly rare in baseball. No hitters have kind of fizzled out in uh, how special they are nowadays because it seems like a few of them happen at least, you know, once every year. So perfect games, though, have maintained that rarity and they have been very special. And Felix, of course, has thrown the last one in Major League history. Drew Rasmussen, however, of the Tampa Bay Rays tried to make things interesting yesterday. He pulled a a, a perfect game into the ninth inning of yesterday's game against the Orioles. But Jorge Mateo of the Orioles was able to break that up. Orioles ended up even scoring off of Rasmussen. So Felix stays as the last Perfect game thrown in MLB history, and this game was nuts. 26 swings and misses for Felix. Obviously, no hits allowed, no walks allowed, none of that allowed. A perfect game, and he was holding on to just a one-run lead, of course, 12 strikeouts. Colby, what do you remember about this day 10 years ago? Where were you? Were you watching this game? Did you still happen to watch this game? Because this was late in a season, a lost season for the Mariners, so... 
You know, there were only 21,000 or so fans in attendance at this game. I, I can't imagine a lot of people were watching at home. It was a day game in the middle of a work week. Again, this team was bad at the time. But, you know, for those that were actually able to watch this, I mean, it was pretty special. Were you uh, one of those that were lucky enough to watch this live? Uh, watched the last three innings. Prior to that, I was actually um, hanging out with with a friend of mine. We uh, we went to lunch, and uh, you know, it was like you said, it was uh, it was an August game, uh, middle of the year, loss year. Um, Felix was on the mound, but typically they replay the night ga- the day games at night. And I was like, oh, I'll just catch it up there. Uh, wasn't writing yet, right? So I could miss a game here or there without mm. feeling like I'm totally out of the loop. Uh, so that's one of the games I decided like, eh, you know, I'll just watch it later or, or I'll just, you know, do whatever. And, uh, <laughs> well, when you, when you're away from your TV and you, you learn that Felix has a perfect game after six, uh, you quickly race home, uh, to watch the last three innings and hope that you don't walk in on, you know, the, the, the hit, right. The, the walk, the air, whatever yeah. it is. So, uh, saw the last three innings, um, it uh, last three innings live. Um, it was, it was pretty cool. Uh, I just remember, uh, when he got to the ninth, uh, you know, he got to two strikes on, on the, uh, on the last hitter. And, and I, I, at that point I knew it was game over. Um, Felix doesn't get this far and then just give it up. Um, my only concern at that point was whether or not the umpire was going to start to squeeze him a little bit. Mm. Um, and kind of the opposite happened. He, he got a, he got maybe a call on the last pitch of the game and, uh, and the rest is history. And of course you have the iconic, you know, the, the iconic pose, uh, Felix scene and all that stuff. Um, I remember the, <laughs> I remember the lineup being pretty interesting. I think Eric Thames wasn't right. And John Jason was catching, uh, smoke and Ackley played in that game too, I believe. Uh, Ryan, I think was a shortstop secret yep. third. I want to say, was it Michael Saunders in center and Casper Wells in left or something? Mm. Might've been Trayvon Robinson in left. Um, and I, I also remember the game being one, nothing, one, nothing at the time, because of course it was because God forbid, even when Felix throws a perfect game, the Mariners give Felix Hernandez more than one run of support. <laughs> of course. Of course. I mean, like how else could that game have possibly gone? That was the right. that was the perfect way for for Felix to throw a perfect game. I mean, it it perfectly encapsulated Felix's career as a whole in a, in a Mariners uniform. Yeah. Dustin Ackley, Michael Saunders, Jesus Montero, John Jaso, Kyle Seager, Justin Smoke, Trayvon Robinson, Eric Thames, and Brendan Ryan. That was the lineup for the Mariners in this game. He played center field, and uh, yeah, uh, Michael Saunders, the Condor, yeah. played uh, yeah. played center field. Eric Thames in right, Trayvon Robinson in left. Uh, can you take a wild guess as to who was the one person that drove in the run in that game? Montero. It was it was Montero with a two out RBI as well. Did he and score smoke? He scored. Let's see here. Who did score the one? It was Brendan Ryan. Yeah, of course, Brendan Ryan got on base for once. Yeah, Brendan uh, Ryan got on base. He finished that year with a two ninety on base percentage. Um, funny thing is, I remember Felix's next start against Tampa, which was, you know, obviously in 2013, I think he struck out like a career high, like 13 guys that day. And like, he gave up like two hits and there was a debate about like, which performance was actually better. Um, so yeah, prime Felix was, was something special and and not something you wanted to miss that often. Um, 
And it makes me sad that, you know, not prime Felix, <laughs> uh, unfortunately popped up for the last three years here in Seattle because, uh, prime Felix was like best pitcher in baseball. So mm. it's, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, let's remember the good times because it, it got rough there at the end, but, uh, we'll always have the perfect game and we'll always have Eric Thames running catch into the gap in the first inning as kind of like the play of that game. Do you remember <laughs> what the play was in that game? Cause that's the only one that stands out to me is Thames made a pretty decent running catch in right field. So, well, this is why I was kind of bringing up if you were actually able to watch this game, because I did not watch this game. And technically, I still haven't watched this game in full, <laughs> as sacrilege as that might be as a Mariners fan. I haven't watched this game in full because, you know, I was living in New Mexico at the time. Parents didn't have a lot of money, so we didn't have the MLB package. It wasn't as easy to get nowadays, you know, with MLB TV and all that. You had to go buy, like, a $300 package from, like, whatever cable provider you had. So we didn't have the package. I wasn't watching the games. And honestly, I probably wouldn't have even watched the game at the time because the Mariners were so bad. Um, but, yeah, I think Brendan Ryan had a couple of good plays in, in this game, obviously, because it's Brendan Ryan. Brendan Ryan was awesome, mm -hmm. defensively speaking, at least. Uh, but yeah, yeah, if you if you guys have a favorite play from the uh, perfect game, if you're listening right now, if you're watching us on YouTube, leave a comment down below in the uh, in uh, the comment section and let us know uh, what your favorite play or what the play of the perfect game was uh, for you. But this game, again, like I said, was insane. Uh, the the pitching performance was insane. And also because of the opponent as well, because. Look, this race team was really good. They didn't make the playoffs that year because, you know, this was just uh, this was still back when it was four teams making the playoffs in each league. But they won 90 games that year. This was a good race team. This was not some scrub lineup that, you know, Felix was was going after. This was Zobrist, Upton, Longoria, yeah, Zobrist, Upton, Longoria, Carlos Pena, Sam Ooh. Fold, who was having a pretty good year that year. <laughs> BJ Upton. Uh, yeah, like this is, uh, I mean, <laughs> shoot, Sean Rodriguez was on this raised team as well. Yeah. Shout out to Sean Rodriguez. Just so you know, Ty, uh, mm. the entire perfect game is on the MLB YouTube channel. So, you know, yeah, stop being lazy. Yeah, I, I should, I should make a point of watching it all in full. I mean, like I've seen like a cut up of all 27 outs, but not, that doesn't really give you the full feel of everything no. it doesn't it doesn't even come close because after like the sixth or seventh like once once you get down to single digit outs to go yeah like every single pitch is just high intensity like i mean it's, it's just different you know and so yeah I, I would recommend watching it i went back and watched it a while ago uh you can live tweet it <gasps> oh ooh. from the locked on account ooh. um yeah, and I'm watching every out right now, and so far the one play was the first hitter of the game. Thames made a nice running catch. Mm. Um, there's another play, the second hitter of the game. Uh, slow roller upped in, uh, running down the line. Ryan got to it, flipped it over, and, and Smoke made a really nice pick at the other end to kind of, you know, obviously get the out. So, uh, But that's pretty much been it. Most of these are routine. Like, or If they did hit it hard once or twice, it was right at somebody, so... Yeah, not not one of those like huge like the play type of uh, situations. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy because it feels like every no hitter, every perfect game requires at least one massively insane play. And from what you're saying, at least it seems like Felix didn't really have that. And that's just a testament to how good Felix was that day. 
12 strikeouts, mm-hmm. 26 swings and misses. Like I said, that's just nuts. So let's Lots fast forward now to present day and mm-hmm. talk about another Mariners pitcher, but one that is currently struggling, at least relative to what our expectations are from him. But real quick, a reminder, this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by LinkedIn. As you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen of the day, just like you do here every single day. The Mariners, unfortunately, dropped two of three to the Texas Rangers over the weekend down at Globe Life Park or Field or whatever the heck that toaster is called. And uh, some of it was on the offense. Offense uh, struggled to score at times, struggled to capitalize on opportunities, struggled to capitalize against a bottom of the league uh, bullpen and uh, bottom of the league pitching staff in general. Uh, but also the pitching was not great. Marco Gonzalez had another uh, rough start. The defense in, in his start as well was uh, god-awful, uh, and that's being kind about it, honestly. And then yesterday, Logan Gilbert pitched and, and only gave up three runs, but Colby, the issues that were prevalent for him in his starts against the Yankees and the Astros as of late were prevalent once again here against Texas, and obviously uh, a lesser capable lineup wasn't able to do as much damage against him, but that isn't reflective at all of, uh, as to what he was actually uh, doing on the mound yesterday. It was just a lot of middle-middle stuff. Couldn't really find his uh, a feel for his breaking stuff either, or at least to use it efficiently. It was just a mess, and he's been a mess for a while, and it kind of seems like he's getting gas a little bit, so... What do you do now? Because he's like he's supposed to be one of your you know three or four horsemen here, and he's a problem at the at the moment. There's no way around it. Like he's he's a legitimate problem right now. Yeah, um, right now the Mariners are basically rolling out a rotation where you know the first three guys you feel pretty good about Ray Castillo and and Kirby. You feel pretty good that you have a chance to win those games, and the last two guys you you don't you don't feel great about it. Um, I know people wanted Logan Gilbert's issue just to be that the Yankees are a really good lineup. I'm sure that's part of it, but clearly not all of it. I know people want the issue to be that Logan Gilbert's fatigue because that seems to be the easiest thing to fix, but we might need to, you know, accept a reality here where that's just not the case. Um, Gilbert has been giving up a lot more hard contact for a few months. He's been giving up a lot more doubles and home runs for the last few months. This isn't a, a you know, a, a, oh, well, it just happened on August 1st or it just happened after the after the All-Star break. That's not really what happened. It started happening in, in late May and early June. And so uh, it's one of the things where Gilbert's ERA was fine in those months, so nobody really paid it any attention. But 
you look at the the Statcast page, it's it's a lot of you know dark, harsh blue, and it's it's not good. The fastball command loses the arm side a ton. Uh, the changeup has taken at least a full grade back, maybe even two. Um, it's just not even a usable pitch right now. The slider he can't seem to find. Uh, I guess the one positive is yesterday he had a decent knuckle curve, um, but again the fastball was just middle of the plate. Uh, there was just very little life to it uh, whatsoever. So I, I know people want it to be fatigue, and and they're convincing themselves that it's fatigue, and it's pretty easy to see why um, career high in innings. So you just automatically assume, but he's only fifteen innings over right now. Like. Uh-huh. That's really not significant. So uh, it's just one of those things where I, I think people want it to be a quick fix. They want it to be an easy fix. I'm just not convinced it is because it's been trending this way for a while. Um, you know, and and you can't really solve a problem until you admit that there is one. Logan Gilbert is becoming a problem. doesn't mean he's going to be long-term. It doesn't mean that he can't turn it around as soon as his next start. But yeah. Logan Gilbert has been a problem basically for his last I don't know, five, six times out because even in the outings where he like, oh, he goes six and he gives up three. It's like, yeah, he's doing that against Texas. Texas isn't a great lineup. That's a lineup you should dominate. So it's, it's just, just watching Logan Gilbert pitch right now. It's clear that something is, is wrong and hopefully it's fatigue. Cause that is something you can fix, but it's, I mean, I can't imagine he was fatigued in May and we started to see this type of stuff creeping in May. So We'll see what, what the Mariners decide to do with it. I kind of doubt that they just skip him or, or anything like that. Um, I think they could skip him uh, because of the off days. So it's not even like they have to put Flexen back in the rotation. They could just skip his next turn, and Castillo would still go on four days rest, his full four days. So um, mm. I, I think you have to consider it at this point. Um, but also, you know, at some point it just – you run out of excuses and Logan Gilbert is there something wrong mechanically or, or um, you know, hopefully it's fatigue, but that seems like a really simple solution that people want more so than what's actually happening. So here's his last nine starts. This is dating back to June 30th, four earned runs against Oakland, one earned run against San Diego, but that was a start that I, I think is still pretty clear in our minds here that five he, and he, a didn't third. Have, he didn't have his best stuff in that start and kind of got lucky there uh, at times four runs against Toronto one and run against Texas which he should be doing that then he had that string where he had two against Houston then two in a row against the Yankees he gave up two in his first start uh, against the uh, against the Astros then two again in his next start against the Astros then six in New York then seven at home against the Yankees and now three earned runs against Texas but of course, you know, that's not the only thing that we need to go off of here, right? What are the signs? What are the signs? And, and, and the signs right now are he is catching way too much play with the fastball. And that's really a, a, a lot of the time that's his only competitive pitch that he has. And then when he does have his breaking stuff or his off speed stuff at his disposal, it doesn't last for an entirety of a game. It just it hasn't. It comes and goes inning by inning maybe game by game and you see it for an inning at a time or two innings at a time and that's really it he just hasn't had a complete start really since april that's the thing and it's just you know even when like his stat sheet looks good it's like 
man, he was really lucky to have ended up with that statue. Mm. You know, there's always just, there's always a caveat to Logan Gilbert yeah. starts this year. Just think about the last time you remember Logan Gilbert being dominant in a start. Don't think about the numbers. Tell me when the last time you watched Logan Gilbert and was like, there's the number two upside type of guy we were talking about. Like, yeah. that's what it looks like. And honestly, I, that might be the the Tampa start back in April, late April. Yeah. I mean, like, it's not like he's been a disaster for most of the season. He's no. been fine. He's been good. He hasn't been a problem up until the last, probably, I would say, four or five starts. Um, but what you're doing is you're putting a lot of strain on a bullpen now when Marco and Gilbert feel like they're both, you're pushing them if you ask them to go more than five at this stage. Uh, and those guys are going back to back. You already know that you're going to short script Kirby a little bit here and there. They'll say they aren't going to do it, but they are. Um, so you're just putting a lot of a lot of strain on on Castillo and Ray and Kirby to be very good because you know if you can win three out of five, great. If you lose three out of five, and you do that repeatedly over and over again, you're going to miss the playoffs. So it's one of those things Gilbert has to figure it out. Marco has to figure it out. You can't have two. Uh, massive question marks in a rotation as you head towards October, hopefully. So, um, like I said, I really hope it is fatigue because then the Mariners could just skip him and hopefully that resets everything and he's fine. But I'm not convinced it is because we're seeing some of the problems that he got away with in May, June, July. He's not getting away with in August. And I don't know if that's, uh, I, I just, I can't just assume it's fatigue because I can't imagine he was fatigued and, on June 18th, right. you know what I mean? So sometimes we want the simple answer, but a lot of the times the simple answer is not, not, not the one that you get. So no, it's pretty clear we'll that see. he's gone through some mechanical issues. Mm -hmm. uh, and if it is mechanical, then I trust Gilbert to get that fixed eventually, hopefully mm -hmm. before he runs out of time uh, this year. Uh, but Gilbert's a very smart pitcher. He's very analytic, analytically driven. I guarantee you, he's not sitting around going like, Oh, it's just the Yankees. I'm fine. That's not who Logan Gilbert is. Um, and it's it's okay to be critical of Logan Gilbert. It's fine. Nobody's going to get hurt. Logan Gilbert's not going to get his feelings hurt. And, and to be honest, Logan Gilbert doesn't care what you think about him, and, and he doesn't care what me and Ty think about him. So he's a big boy. You can criticize Logan Gilbert and still believe in the long-term success of uh, of Gilbert and the Mariners. Oh, yeah. No, I still think he's a number two. Like, mm. I just... I, 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 I just, you know, he isn't... Figure right out the breaking stuff. Like... He's not, he's not right now, right? Like, it's just, no. this is something that's he's, probably going to need an off season's worth of work to fix. And so he's a I, really mediocre number four right now. Yeah. And so, but he has the talent. He has the talent to, yep. to reach yep. the ceiling that I think we all envision for him. So, you know, uh, it's just kind of, uh, it's kind of weird and a little disappointing that the stuff has uh, taken a step back here over the last few months. Um, and again, hasn't been entirely reflected in the uh, in the numbers yet, uh, but we're starting to see it. We're starting to see the cracks and we're starting to see that uh, kind of come uh, to fruition here, uh, especially in those starts against the Yankees. So hopefully he's able to turn it around because the Mariners could really use him uh, down the stretch, especially once they start getting into playoff series. Because at this point right now, the way that he's pitching, I don't know if there's a clear answer between him and Marco Gonzalez as the fourth starter to get the ball in a seven game series. Yeah. At this point, I'd probably trust Marco to, to, you know, grit it out more so than I would Logan Gilbert because Gilbert doesn't have that, that tool where if he doesn't have the fastball, he can just make it work 
doesn't yeah. Logan Gilbert's not there. So yeah, it's it's fun when when Castillo and Ray and Kirby are pitching, you feel like you could beat anybody, and then the other two guys step on the mound and you're like, Well, try and find a way to split one of these two games. Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully Kirby or uh, sorry Gilbert uh, figures it out, but uh, we'll have to see. All right, so moving on, we're going to uh, look at prospects 15 through 11 as ranked by Colby in the Mariners farm system. But real quick, a reminder: this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online resource for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL combat sports esports and even golf bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts they have you covered head to bet online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action bet online is where the game starts so last week we ranked uh, or you ranked rather prospects 30 through 16 in the mariners farm system so we're going to be continuing that with five at a time per episode here on today's episode is numbers 15 through 11 in the Mariners farm system. Starting with Michael Morales, the Mariners third round pick from last year's draft. Right-handed pitcher, now in Loe Modesto at the age of 20. What do you like about Morales? Why is he in your top 15? Yeah, Morales is, is really interesting because, again, he was he's just 19 years old. Um, the, the fastball is is kind of the key here because uh he does have some some growth that he needs to go through but it's already up to 93 and he commands it pretty well um which is you know a big plus for a 19 year old uh there's still a lot of projection there though so whether or not he becomes a mid-rotation guy or just kind of a up you know number number four number five type uh comes down to how much value you can extract from that fastball uh but he does have you know again 93 mile an hour fastball as a 19 year old right now uh a pretty good curveball um, it's, it's, it's a, it's probably his best pitch. I think he, uh, I think it's the pitch he's most likely to get swings and misses with. Um, so it's to me that that's the number one off speed pitch. The slider is okay, but eh, it's not great. Uh, sometimes it gets kind of cutterish and it just kind of tumbles towards home plate without much movement. It's a pitch he needs to throw. He needs to throw more of, he doesn't throw it a lot, uh, because he doesn't trust it. And, and the change up also is something that, uh, I think could, I think is probably most likely to be his third pitch. Um, it's pretty good. Uh, he doesn't throw it a ton. Again, something he needs to throw more of. Uh, but when he does throw it, it, typically he throws it with good arm speed, and it actually has some run and, and some sync to it. Um, so, I I think you know it, this is a very efficient windup. It's a very uh, it's a very smooth delivery. Uh, so I do think there's even more velocity in there. Uh, I think his ceiling is a four pitch you know rotation guy. Um, probably a little bit better than Chris Flexen, uh, but probably ultimately I think his ceiling is a number four, but you know, if he gets enough value out of that fastball, it could tick up to a number three. Uh, and if we're talking about, you know, 95, uh, with a 50 changeup and a 60 curveball, that's, it's a pretty good pitcher. So, um, I like him. Uh, I think next year is going to be a big year for him, uh, to see if he can really climb up these rankings even more. Uh, it's a very good arm. So I, I'm really intrigued to see what the Mariners can do with a guy like Michael Morales. All right. So coming in at number 14, Taylor Dollard, 23 year old mm-hmm. pitcher who was of course a, uh, a name that we talked about a lot 
in trade talks uh, leading up to the trade deadline. Ended up not getting dealt. He stays in the Mariners rotation and has had a very good year. Now at Double A Arkansas, what do you like about Dollard? Yeah, Dollard's a pitchability righty, which is not you know a term that's usually thrown around, um, but he throws a ton of strikes. Uh, really commands his pitches very well. Uh, if Dollard threw 95, 96 consistently, he would be top 10. Um, but right now he's, he's still 89, 90. Um, occasionally touches 93, but it's not nearly enough. He's, he'll top out at 93, but that's once or twice a game. Um, he honestly, to me, he reminds me a lot of, of Chris Flexen. He's going to throw a lot of strikes, not going to miss a ton of bats. Um, and he's not going to induce like, 55% ground balls. It's going to be a pretty even distribution between ground ball and fly ball, but he's going to throw a ton of strikes. He knows how to pitch. Um, and again, he's six foot three, about 200 pounds. So he could still add some good weight, maybe get that fastball velocity up a little bit, but based on where he is right now, I think he's a pretty safe number four. I think he could survive in the majors right now. Um, it's not something you want to do if you're in the playoff hunt like Seattle is. Uh, so I, I wouldn't expect to see him, but I think he can actually pitch in the majors right now and be reasonably effective. He's, he's probably a number five right now, but I think his ceiling is probably that number four, Chris Flexen type. Coming in at number 13, of course, the, the Mariners last, uh, international signing period signed Lazaro Montez, but along with him, they also signed Michael Arroyo who's earned some pretty high comps from people in the game. 17 years old, infielder currently in the Dominican Summer League. What should we keep an eye out for with Michael Arroyo? Yeah, you really want to see if the if the power develops here. Um, I think it's probably going to be average power, you know, probably 20 home runs, 18 to 20 home runs. Um, but he hits a ton of line drives. He'll use the entire field. It's a very CTZ-esque approach. Um, he's actually a pretty decent runner right now. He's probably a 55 runner. I would imagine that sinks down to 50, 45. That's that's kind of how these things work uh, as as the guys age up. Uh, it's it's a pretty strong arm, but it's not like it's not Manny Machado, right? It's 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 probably not even Suarez, but it's very accurate. He gets the ball out quickly. It's a it's a really safe uh, arm uh, to project at third. He's going to be a good enough athlete to stay there as well. Um, so kind of comes down to the power as to whether or not he's going to be a traditional third baseman. I really think he can hit. And honestly, he, the profile and, and everything I read about him kind of reminds me of a right-handed Kyle Seeger where it's, you know, not amazing defense, but good defense, not a great arm, but extremely accurate. And he gets rid of the ball quickly, uh, not insane third base power, but you know, average 25 home runs ish. And a guy who hits a lot of doubles. Um, I, I just, I feel like that's kind of where Michael Arroyo is headed and, and, this is a guy who could be top three here in, in a year. If we do this again in a year, he could be top three. Like the bat is, is really something to be excited about. All right. So number 12, Jonathan Classe, who was injured for most of last season, now healthy, having a good year, 20 years old outfielder now in low aid Modesto. Uh, why, or what has Classe done this year to uh, rise through your ranks? Let's start with the fact that he's a he's a true center fielder. Um, he is a double plus runner. Um, is it's an easy sixty five speed grade. I've seen some give him seventy. Um, and he was off to a very good start. He really struggled in in July. You know things happen. Um, but overall, he's had a pretty good year. Uh, he's actually added a little bit of power uh, to his game. He's he's definitely more, still more of a slap hitter. 
you know, hit the ball in the gap, run like hell uh, type of guy. But he, mm-hmm. you know, he gets on base a lot. He's got a good eye. Um, he's developing some over the fence power, some doubles power here. Um, I, I think the arm is he can handle right, right field. If you need him to, it's good enough arm to do that, but he's definitely a center fielder. Um, and he's stealing bases like crazy right now. I think he's up to 40 right now. Um, still wouldn't say he's a plus base stealer. He's more of above average. Still gets caught a little too much. Still doesn't get the best jumps, but the speed really plays here. So I think what you're looking at is a potential like old school leadoff guy who, you know, hits like 270, gets on base 34, 35% of the time and steals you 30 bags with, you know, plus center field defense for a while. That's, it's pretty valuable piece. And if the power comes and that's, you know, BJ Upton ish. So I, I think that's a guy to watch. BJ Upton. Second time we mentioned his name on the show. <laughs> More on base skill though. Yes. All right. Brian Wu. Uh, finally comes in here at number 11. I'm really happy that you put Brian Wu this high because, uh, of course, you know, when he was drafted last year, it was like, all right, this kind of seems like a money saver. No, hold up. He's a pretty interesting arm to maybe put in the bullpen. Well, pure reliever. Like, yeah. he's been starting and he's been Dominating. showing out. <laughs> he's been showing out as a starter as well. 22 years old, off of an, coming off of an injury, high A Everett right now for him. What do you like about Wu, and do you think he can stick as a starter? Yeah, that's kind of the big question here. And by ranking him 11, I'm kind of thinking he he could uh, because if Wu was a pure reliever like we thought he was when he was drafted, probably is in the back half of the top 30, um, and he only cracks the top 30 because of trades this year. Um, but like you said, he's starting, and it is going very, very well. Fastball up to 97 with a slider that is already plus it's a reliever slider um, and a changeup that is kind of the difference maker right now. It, it looks good. It's a legitimate pitch. I, I say it's, it's probably just going to be average at the big league level, but again, you have a plus fastball plus slider and you just need an average third pitch to stick in the rotation. Um, so this is really interesting to see. I, I don't know if ultimately he's going to stick in the rotation long-term, uh, but he, I, I mean, you're not going to take him out of the rotation right now. The guy looks really, really good out of that. Um, it's it's a you know it's a three quarter arm slot. It's a true three quarter arm slot. There's actually pretty good life to the fastball. It plays up even more than the 95 to 97 that he throws with. Um, mechanically, he's fine, um, and he has no has had no issue throwing strikes really uh, in any of his starts. So this looks like the guy who might legitimately be be able to stick in the rotation. And if he can, based on what I'm seeing right now. The Mariners have themselves another mid-rotation starter that just kind of came out of nowhere. So we'll see what happens with Brian Wu, but that's a guy who has catapulted up the rankings, and it's pretty much all because he's healthy now and he's showing that he might actually be able to start at the big league level. That That's huge. Yeah, I was going to say, if you have him 11, you think that he's going to start, or at least that there's a pretty good shot of it. There's a Right now, I would say he's realistic. right now I would say he's a start, a starting pitcher prospect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas somebody like Travis Kuhn is most definitely not. So, yeah, I mean, that's insane. Completely changed mm-hmm. the narrative on him. Uh, in just, I mean, how many innings has he thrown now? Like 30 or so Yeah. and about 30 innings of work. He's been really completely good. Completely changed what everyone thinks about him. I think, you know, and it's not just us, right? Like you see it from folks like Joe Doyle and all these guys that, that follow Mariners prospects intently 
that are just perplexed. They're flabbergasted by what Brian Wu has been able to do this year. It's pretty exciting stuff. Uh, there's a lot of helium here with Brian Wu. Um, 39 innings, uh, eight walks, and uh, 56 strikeouts. Whew. Yeah. So <laughs> a lot, a lot of reason to be excited about Brian Wu. Uh, next year will be kind of the big year to, in deciding whether or not he's a rotation piece or if he ultimately ends up in the bullpen. But uh, mm-hmm. right now, I mean, it's looking good. It's 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 looking very good. It's looking very good. All right. So quick programming note before we hop off of here tomorrow, we have a very special episode. I got to interview Jordan Schusterman, one half of Cespedes Barbecue and writer over at Fox Sports MLB. Uh, he's a Mariners fan and is very excited about Luis Castillo and Julio. And we talked a little bit about Felix's perfect game and just perfect games in general, playoff scenarios, a bunch of cool, fun stuff. Uh, so that's going to be airing tomorrow and uh, probably a bit earlier than we usually air stuff as well. I think I actually might premiere it on YouTube sometime in the morning. So keep an eye out for that. If you have notifications on on YouTube, then you're good to go. You'll know exactly when that's going to be going live. If not, subscribe, turn notifications on so you know exactly when that's about to go up. And it will be on... um, all podcast platforms a little bit shortly after that as well. So keep an eye out for that. Now that's going to do it for our show today. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tidy Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow Inside the Mariners at Inside Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, that's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen of the day. Now make your second listen, the Locked On MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts just like us and with that have yourself a beautiful baseball day and we'll see you tomorrow peace